It's the Featured Players Podcast. Featuring your hosts, Bram Binderoff and Brendan Noel. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Riggle. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Feature Players Podcast. This is episode 31, and you might be saying, hey, where's episode 30? We'll get back to that in a minute. But first of all, we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast today. I'm Brendan Noel, one of your, you're one of your two regular co-hosts. We don't have Bram here today. Bram is off preparing for his role in the new FX miniseries, Feud, Bram versus Taylor. We have the other half of that duo joining us today. You know her from the Post Show Recaps podcast, talking about Orange is the New Black. And now you know her from the new Reese's Pieces podcast, joining us for the third time, officially, on the record books, Taylor Cotter. How's it going, Taylor? I'm doing well. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, maybe someday Bram and I will be in the same digital room, but that day is not today. No, he is he's not in the interactive living room right now. Um, but uh, it's okay. We will press on without him. And uh, a word about uh, what happened to last week's episode. We did record a podcast last week uh, with me and Bram and, uh, and our special guest, Beth Benderoff. And... It was a really good show, and it is a shame that unfortunately you won't ever hear that uh, unless we were to really take the time and unmangle my audio, which was really, really terrible and actually threatened to derail us again this week. Fortunately, uh, fingers crossed, we figured it out. Uh, something to do with my microphone not working well, so that is a bummer. But as tends to happen around these parts, when we uh, inadvertently lose an episode, we retire its number up to the rafters and we just skip to the next one. So. So there was no episode 30 on Gal Gadot, however we pronounce her name. We did two hours last week, and we still never settled on one pronunciation. So this is episode 31, and we are going to talk about the Kumail Nanjiani and Pink episode of Saturday Night Live. But uh, first of all, um, we will we'll go back and just briefly touch on last week, since we uh, we, we didn't uh, offer you a take besides a little bit of live tweeting. So... Um, First of all, Taylor, welcome yes. back to the show. Thank, Thank you for so being here again. Here. Uh, we're very excited to have you, as always. And what, what, in general, we're three episodes into the season now. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on season 43 of SNL so far? Uh, I would say I've been generally surprised. There's been some cognitive dissonance for me because I think uh, some of the best hosts here have had some of the worst stuff to work with and vice versa. Uh, so we're three in and, uh, honestly, like I might go right. I think number one was the best and then two and then three. So I wasn't unhappy with this week, but, uh, when I think of like LOLs per minute, uh, that's probably the order I would give them right now. I would probably agree with that. I might rank this show a little bit above uh, last week's show. I think the main kind of takeaway we had from the the podcast that got lost in the fire was sort of we, we I think we kind of agreed all around that last week's episode was like a C plus kind of episode. Yep. It really wasn't like terrible didn't want to make us like tear hair out and not watch the show anymore but there really was very little that we could kind of you know we you know we liked you know the safe light sketch and things like yes. that. But uh, otherwise, it was it was a lot of just sort of like, oh, here's another sketch where they don't really seem to know anything about Gal Gadot other than that she's attractive. So Gal Gadot, though, is a remarkably bad actress. Were you guys on that train, too? Like, 
what what i said i was like it feels like uh people fought really hard for there to be a female superhero and they were like all right we'll give you a female superhero but she's going to be the most piece of trash level of (laughs) like acting skill that you're ever gonna see and granted have i seen the wonder woman movie absolutely not uh this is my very limited (laughs) and yeah i get it live tv is hard she's a model like what can we possibly expect of people but uh i would consider her performance uh bottom at you know professional athlete level Yeah, I would, you know, I, it's, 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 I would say it d- didn't really strike me as all that different from like Ronda Rousey hosting the show a couple of years ago, sort of thing. Like she's having her kind of sad to say, like probably the one like big moment she'll have in her career. It right. wouldn't surprise me if we look back on this five years and be like, oh, yeah, Gal Gadot was somebody. Right. She was Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I what I remember saying was that like she came out and I I've also not seen Wonder Woman, so I don't like really know how, what how she is as an actress again other than like last week's episode. And all I I really said was she immediately struck me as being comfortable with like live TV when she was doing her monologue, but definitely from like nothing else in the night gave me the impression that she had like energy or this like kind of dynamism to her. Right. And, like, say what you want about, like, these superhero movies, like, are very mixed quality. Some people are, you know, consider them amazing films, and some of them are just, like, B-movie sort of stuff. But it's, like, these other, like, DC Justice League people are, like, Ben Affleck and Amy Adams and people that are real significant actors. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's it seems bizarre that... Uh, this girl, I don't know. I like feel. I truly feel bad judging her, but I was blown away by uh, her, um, yeah, her stiltedness and her sort of monotone throughout the whole episode. Yeah, and it, well, that's a good point you make about like you know Gal Gadot, like kind of unknown uh, Iranian actress, sort of, or, or sorry, Israeli actress. Is that right? Um, yeah. Not, not really with a lot of experience versus, yeah, like somebody like Amy Adams. These are like Oscar nominees. So, right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like a bummer. There are plenty of hot people <laughs> that could do a great job. So sure. yeah, I don't know why we have to swing so far the other way. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we've had lots of unexpected people come on the show and deliver great things when we, like, you mentioned athletes. Sometimes athletes come on the mm-hmm. show and are great at hosting SNL. And sometimes, like, you know, Tom Brady comes on SNL and you're just like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, okay, let, let's, I, I do want to, normally we save plugs and things for the end of the show, but I do want to talk to you about the Reese's Pieces podcast, actually, right up the front, because this jogged my memory talking about the Oscars and Oscar winners. Academy Award winner, Reese Witherspoon, is the focus of your new podcast, and I'm, please tell the listeners about it. Yes, uh, so uh, Reese's Pieces is a podcast that my uh, boyfriend Luke and I started a couple months ago. We have uh, put it on pause for the last a month or so, two months, because we were traveling, but we're back now, and we are getting ready to record more episodes. Uh, we have decided to go through as much of the filmography of Reese Witherspoon as we can and uh, uh, give our takes on her films. Uh, it is really fun. Reese Witherspoon is great. Uh, it's kind of one of those people that you don't... Everyone likes her, but no one really talks about how much they love her. And I'm excited to talk about how much we love her. So we've got a couple episodes of that down. 
more to come. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about uh, Reese Witherspoon movies with anyone that is interested. I thought Luke put it, put it pretty well in the first episode when he said, like, I never am like, yay, Reese Witherspoon is in this. But yeah, nobody really, you never dislike anything that she's in. And uh, I was interested also, you mentioned there were a couple of movies that you knew for sure you didn't want to talk about. Which ones are those? Um, I, let me, I can tell you off the top of my head, but it's a couple of animated ones. Uh, okay. I, didn't, I knocked off the list of monsters versus aliens uh <laughs> i feel like there was just not a lot that we could bring to the discussion of that movie uh and then those were that was the most significant movie that looking at her wikipedia filmography i was like we're never going to do this um and then i've taken off all any sort of tv stuff um we may like do Big Little Lies uh, because I, I've seen it and Luke hasn't, but that's a big uh, commitment. But yeah, the Friends mm-hmm. episodes and any sort of guest spot, I'm not too interested in. I know the episode that Reese Witherspoon hosted of SNL is a big one. Like it was the first episode after 9-11. So, yeah. uh, or the first time she did. And uh, I would love to do that episode. Uh but like her, you know, her one from a couple of years ago, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. The whole point of this podcast uh, and why you shouldn't feel bad about losing audio from your podcast is uh, <laughs> I really truly wanted it to be a hobby. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I'm not going to hold myself to any standard. Uh, we will release it when we feel like releasing it. And we will watch what we feel like watching because... I don't know. I've done a couple of these podcasts before that you're just like, this is a slog. Why am I doing this to myself for no money? And uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like anyone should feel like that if they are uh, an amateur podcaster. It's so true. There were a bunch of times last spring where just the, because Bram and I are on totally different work schedules, like we really couldn't make this work. And like, had we really bent over backwards, we probably could have like found like weeknights to fit those in. But we really were just like, do we really care enough to do this? And it just ended up being like, no, you know what, like soft relaunch next month. So, and that was kind of how we go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that that was just sort of what ended up happening, which is, you know, we, we did like very rarely did a show last spring. Yeah, and you know what? If people want to hear more regular episodes of Reese's Pieces, they can Venmo me at Taylor Cotter any amount of money that they choose. Uh, That's the number one way to show your support for my podcast. You heard it here first, folks. And also, yeah, don't don't tell Taylor that you want to hear a Reese's Pieces podcast about King of the Hill. Yeah, if, if it's anything that I decide we're not doing, I'll send your money right back. I honestly forgot until you just mentioned it. I did forget that there was a second episode of SNL that Reese Witherspoon did a couple of years ago. I don't remember anything about it. It was in 2015, apparently, and the musical guest was Florence and the Machine. I guess the thing I remember about it is they did that monologue where they brought all the cast members' moms out. I think that was the episode. Oh, and her mom was there. I do do have some recollection of this. Um, I'm not sure. I wonder what she was promoting at that time. Would it have been the movie Hot Pursuit? I I get yeah she was in that with Sofia Vergara. Yes, that was actually one of the ones we watched early before we started podcasting. So we have to go back and podcast about it, and we're not <laughs> really looking forward to doing that. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I was honestly again earlier today. I was looking at through the filmography of Reese Witherspoon. And I was trying to think like what would I like? What do I think I like would want to come on the show and talk about? Yeah, we want to. And come on. like 
I really couldn't. I, I'm. It's not like a lot of these movies. I like. I haven't seen. Like I know if I watched Election, I would like Election. Mm-hmm. I know I would like the Legally Blonde movies. I just haven't seen them. Like really, the only significant Reese Witherspoon movie I've seen is Walk the Line, and that is like I, it's so long ago. I saw that like when it came out. So I, you know, I haven't seen it in over a decade. There's a weird bell curve to some of these movies because like Walk the Line is like a you know an intense biopic. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some other like she has the importance of being earnest on here. There's like Water for Elements is a hard or Water for Elephants is a hard movie to watch, um, and they wild and like those are ones sure. that like, we haven't really been. You know, it's hard to sit down and watch that because you know it's going to be a really intense, like hard thing to watch. And then there's stuff on here that requires zero brain power whatsoever and that's the kind of stuff that i'm like all right if we have to watch something like why don't we just watch this means war and like we're just yeah. like have it and enjoy it um so i want to mix it up because we need to watch a couple of the more harder to watch ones instead of leaving those all to the end but, right uh, i do think election is a great movie i think you would love that um and th- yeah there's some other like just hidden gems in here yeah, I mean, I'm happy to come on and talk about whatever. So if you if you want me on a dense one, but also I am I will watch Four Christmases if you want me to. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Four Christmases obviously will do around Christmas time, uh, so uh, yeah. I will. Uh, I'll tap you in the next couple of weeks once we get back on a good schedule. Okay, that sounds good. I honestly, and I was I was confusing Four Christmases with the Ben Affleck, Danny DeVito one also, hmm. uh, which I think was called Surviving Christmas, which was not oh. the same movie. There, uh, another good podcast, uh, and it would be just all Christmas movies. I'm sure that that must exist somewhere. They might. Um, and something, the real fun part of Reese's Pieces is that we like feel we really nailed it with the title of the podcast. And, oh, yeah. Uh, now, uh, especially since we've been in a little bit of a recording lull like we're trying to come up with puns on basically every actor if we were to <laughs> make the podcast about their movies so somebody um, else yeah uh, one luke came up with today was for uh john lithgow which is now like lith go to the movies which i don't know if that really uh is his name <laughs> but uh there's a, it's a fun fun game if you're ever in the car uh, what would the anthology podcast be? <laughs> that that yes on, on your next on your next road trip, try and try and come up with those ones. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, subscribe to the to the Reese's Pieces podcast on iTunes. It is a lot of fun. Um, and uh, but back to SNL. SNL was on last night with Kumail Nanjiani, who uh, most people I guess would know. I guess you know people know him from like stand up, and he had a couple of, like Comedy Central shows. Uh, has really broken out in the last year. Uh, you know, he's built up a presence in the last few years on the show Silicon Valley on HBO. And he, um, obviously, his sort of biggest thing that he's gotten, like, critical praise for was his movie The Big Sick, which came out this year. And I still have not seen that either, which I don't know why, other than just movies slip past me. And I, I, I don't take the time to. I, like, I didn't watch Brigsby Bear with Kyle Mooney this summer. I need to watch that as well. So, I want to see that movie. Yeah. Um, so going in, like, what were your, what were your expectations for uh, Kumail Nanjiani and, like, what do you think of him uh, as a comedian in general? Yeah, I thought – I was excited. I was like, this is going to be pretty good. So uh, I did see The Big Sick, but only a week ago maybe. Like, not very long ago at all we rented it. Um, I do recommend it. I would say, like, 
there aren't it was very cute there aren't a lot of movies like that anymore it's it's not apatow-esque like that's the wrong way to describe it but it feels more of like that era when lots of different comedians were like making their movie uh and i thought that was really fun so there was like fun parts and like cute sad parts and all sorts of stuff but i thought like head to toe that was a pretty good movie um and i like i am a somewhat like reluctant an annoyed Silicon Valley fan. I would, I even hesitate to call myself a fan because I've probably seen fewer than half the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tweet about it sometimes that like, uh, it, it does annoy me a lot. Like I've worked in tech for basically my whole career. And I think that this show does a really garbage job of representing women in any way. Um, and I remember at the beginning, they got a lot of flack for it. And instead of j- fixing it, they just kind of were like, this is how the tech world is. So this is ha- what we're going to say. And I'm like, I don't know. It felt very like enforcing of stereotypes, which in a way that is destructive, like not in a way that was self-aware, not in a way that made people feel like, oh, this is like a fun industry to go into for women. And I I just think it's uh, on some level irresponsible. Like if you're going to hold a show and you're going to call it Silicon Valley, like the place where, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people work and Mm -hmm. try to represent an entire industry and just talk about like what it's like to be basically a bro-y dude in that industry. Uh, I don't have a lot of interest in watching it. So every couple months, uh, I'll try to watch it. And it's, you know, in a way it's undeniably funny, but in a way I'm also just like, there's something happens every single time. I'm like, I cannot believe that joke got through. Like, I can't believe, you know, they call some guy like a woman as an insult. And I'm like, is this really still on TV? So, yeah, yes. Like, I I do like Kumail Nanjani. I think he is, like, I think he's funny. I thought we'll get into his monologue, but I thought it was very good. Um, so I was all about this. And I think just, like, professional comedians are fun to have on the show. I agree. And I, I mean, first of all, I, I agree with what you said about uh, Silicon Valley in the sense that that it is weird the way that they rather than deciding like we could go in a row where we um, add a like like significant female characters onto the show and in a world in a way where they're not just like um, like I can't even remember the character's name, but there's the one woman who's kind of the like stern, serious, no nonsense kind of like boss of theirs like some somewhere up the chain she's like in charge of them but like that's kind of it like every any any character they put on the show to be like like a woman who's like working in the house with them on the project Mm -hmm. like it's just kind of sidelined into nothing and i do think it's weird that rather than responding to that criticism and saying like you're right like we will put on you know like um like like we'll make women actual people on this show they're like we're we want credit for like steering into the stereotype of we're calling attention to the fact that there are the women are underrepresented in this world by making that the joke and so like yeah i agree that that's what uh, and, and I think you are, you're definitely just in terms of what comes down my Twitter feed, like you are probably the person I see most often who's critical of the show, but that's also not hard to do considering I think that, you know, Silicon Valley is a show I watch and also laugh at for sure. But I do think it, it I kind of put it into a category with something like Brooklyn nine, nine, where people seem to think like this show is amazing. Like it is hilarious. And I'm just kind of like, 
uh, it has its moments for sure. But like, let's see. I, I just, I never liked it as much as other people have. Um, and, and certainly like, you know, th like that's something worthy to talk about. But I also, I, I, I didn't necessarily want to put you on the spot of being like, so Kumail Nanjiani, like you hate Silicon Valley. Do you <laughs> like Kumail now? Because, you know, obviously we can't like, we can't base people on like, their weak projects they choose like we're not we can't still hold the geico caveman sitcom against nick kroll for example so but I, I do think it's it's interesting that you know that's kind of what i know kumail from like and and one of the things i thought was interesting about him doing a stand-up monologue was i kind of had to remind myself like oh right this is what he does this is where he got started in the same way that it almost also threw me when aziz ansari last year did that too because i was like okay i if, i of course know that you have done not just Netflix stand-ups, but like big Netflix stand-ups from Madison Square Garden. But I know you as Tom Haverford. Right, right. And I think that was probably the experience for a lot of people. I was not familiar with his stand-up at all, but The Big Sick is really very much informed by his stand-up and he is a stand-up in the movie. So that's uh, like, I, I, and when he came on to do the monologue, I was like, oh, exciting. Like he will, he's going to do material. And I almost never am like, yay, like someone's going to do their material. But I was like, yeah. this guy, like, well, I wonder, last time I talked to you, or the last time it was recorded, we talked about Lin-Manuel Miranda. And yes. I wondered how much this guy, like Kumail, falls into that same sort of thing of like, not really um, very popular among like a normal, uh, you know, non- comedy consuming audience um so the people who just watch snl on a week a week to week basis like i don't know if they're watching silicon valley um and i i think about this because um thomas middleditch is doing a ton of commercials i don't know if they're in Canada. yeah yep oh yeah and i was sitting with my parents and i was like do you know that that's a famous person and they were like no we just thought that was the Veri the new verizon guy so <laughs> yeah um they have no uh yeah you know, i don't think that these guys are you know part of the zeitgeist quite yet no no definitely not um we'll circle back to the monologue but we can we'll start the sort of sketch by sketch breakdown now and we'll talk about the uh what hulu is calling the donald trump trucker rally cold open Last time we did this show, and again, it was recorded uh, Saturday Night Live, or, or <laughs> maybe I should just word it like that. Saturday Night Live and NBC had not yet elected Donald Trump to the presidency. <laughs> um, and so we also, like, um, we did not talk about the, the episode that was actually uh, hosted by Alec Baldwin. Uh, it didn't, didn't make it into your ears. But uh, what are your feelings right now about the, the Trump impression now that we're about a year in? It's almost like this is what we get now. And I think that the other comedians have failed us so greatly that we've 360 and since we last talked. Uh, if, uh, for those of you, I have uh, expressed my discontent on anything that softens, uh, you know, the like racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic uh, president that we're lucky to have. And I think that uh, any sort of comedy that ignores those horrible things about him to then focus on silly things like the way he talks or like maybe, you know, even like words like the way he looks or uh, that he has these funny relationships with people um, is doing a disservice. And... At this point, it was like, 
Sean Spicer did a bit at the Emmys. Like, I, I like, have truly given up. I don't know what to do anymore. But to have this sort of thing, like, if this is now back to, like, the main critical voice we have of the president, like, that sucks. Like, that <laughs> should have fallen on people that had more leeway to do what they wanted. Um, and I think, like, I think, like, Trevor Noah has been, you know, disappointing. There just hasn't been, like, uh, there hasn't been a lot of stuff coming out of other comedians that have really solid platforms. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of the shows, they go on hiatus. You can't expect these people to 24-7 be on the mic uh, criticizing Trump. It's not really their job. But, so, I don't know. Like, I really am conflicted now because... They, yes, SNL is doing the same stupid stuff that they did all last year of, oh, uh, and I think there were a couple instances about this throughout the show, but I do think they kind of know that they need to have a little more teeth about some stuff. And so maybe things are looking up, but it, I guess the world is a lot worse off than it was a year ago, and they kind of have felt pressure to acknowledge that, which I can't complain about yeah um have you watched the president show on comedy central at all i haven't okay i only watch one like it's and you know you don't anthony atamanik has done that impression in like you two like funnier die bits i think you know mm-hmm. like it's it's something that's been out there for a while even before that show and i it's like a pretty good impression like it's probably even better than daryl hammond but yeah, I think I generally agree that because the, the format of that is almost like it's him doing a late night show and like Mike Pence is his Andy Richter sort of thing. So I now that I think about it, I don't even, I don't think he would really like that format. And because it's I think it has some teeth to it. But yeah, I think that is definitely a show that is emphasizing uh, playing up the jokes of uh, he's orange and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think, like, it's hard to do it without that because it's not fun to do a comedy show where you want to talk about, oh, like, remember the time he banned all Muslims from entering the country? Like, hilarious. It's not. It's really hard. And I've thought a lot about this because I was, it's, it's really not their job. And I think, like, uh, you know, the uh, South Park guys, uh, came out and they were like we're not going to make fun of Donald Trump at all like we're skipping it I think they said something like it's too easy but really like it just sucks like and I don't I don't blame them I'm like you're making a comedy show like you want to make a show that's funny and to infuse it with like you aren't obligated to infuse it with politics but I kind of think like there's just uh, if What I don't care for more than anything, I think I've honed this opinion over the past year, is I just don't like the one end people on Twitter being so appalled by, and by people I mean like the cast members of Saturday Night Live, being, you know, these bastions of liberal, like, uh, liberal ideology that they are so appalled by Donald Trump. And then, like, using their platform to n- not get those opinions across. Um, 
I just think that's irresponsible. So it's like, if you want to shut up and you want to say nothing on Twitter and you want to say, hey, I'm just here to make a buck and do my comedy job and make people laugh, like, that's fine. But don't have, like, one of the most powerful platforms in the world and then squander it by making jokes about, like, uh, how I forget uh, that Donald Trump, like, uh, is like a trucker because his the blood pools in his feet or whatever. And it's like, yeah. those are like I mean, I'll give them a little credit that that's more original than being like, he's orange. But uh, mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I feel at this point. There's just, it's so challenging and I accept that, but I also don't really accept that people are talking out of both sides of their mouths. Did you find there was really anything to like in the cold open last night? Because I thought this was pretty unfocused and honestly maybe this is chalked up to in this crazy new news cycle everything feels like it happens you know four months ago but the whole like you know mike pence left the colts game thing i honestly it surprised me to to realize that oh yeah that happened on sunday so like that that happened after the last show i felt the same way yeah no i didn't really get what the point is with this um i think it really seems in a way like a laundry list it was like all right what are all the crazy things trump did this week and let's check 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 and uh, like i think people kind of like that stuff i guess i don't really either um and but yeah i agree that everything seems like it happened a long time ago and then it's also like some stuff is more impactful than others like I think if you want to talk about Donald Trump's reaction to Puerto Rico, which again, like that seems like such a like a thing that happened a while ago at this point, um, and and you want to talk about the Mike Pence leaving the Colts game thing, I'm like maybe talk about those. Like you have a lot of time here. Like why are we conflating it, like issues like that? I guess. Yeah. No. That's that's for sure. And. Uh... You know, because there, there, are, there are still lines in these uh, these sketches where they are, you know, like when he says, you know, talk about the pot calling the kettle Mexican and the audience kind of goes like, ooh, like there are still times where whether or not one personally agrees with it, the show is kind of like throwing a good punch, like the audience certainly is interpreting it uh, to be that way. But this felt to me kind of like as you said they're hitting like the like minor but numerous you know uh like trump things from the week that all add up to this like disaster and in a way it kind of reminds me of when they used to when snl used to come back from from lawn breaks and they would have to like hit the news story they stories they'd miss and they inevitably do it with like taron killam as piers morgan and it just would be it would be one sketch about three things that didn't deserve their whole sketch and in the end it just became this diluted thing about nothing Yes. So yeah. there's absolutely nothing here. Like I didn't, I didn't love the opening from the first uh, week either, which was also about uh, his response to to Puerto Rico. But even that, like, I'm gonna at least remember that more because I felt like it had a kind of narrative premise to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, it kind of like one thing I've said before is I, I'd much prefer. Uh, a kind of sketch like that where it's like if this were happening what might it look like it might look something like this as opposed to i guess this rally in harrisburg was a thing that actually happened so but i mean 
Yeah, this I this mean, did not feel like uh, in any way on a comparable level to like when he was doing the rally in Phoenix and he pardoned that awful sheriff. Yes. Yeah. I, I This was like nothing that I, I feel like they had to dig for this. I don't necessarily think at all. Uh, maybe I am ignorant, but this did not come across my desk as any sort of like Trump thing to pay attention to. Though I did think that calling it Harassburg was funny. Yes, that was that was pretty good. After the after the the particular week in news that we have had, and also week in general awfulness. Yes. Um, and but uh, I I don't think you know there's nothing wrong with with like I don't you know I don't think it, it necessarily comes down to like ignorance of the show because like we also we don't know last week what what they had planned for a cold open that um or like if they ever intended if they ever wrote anything of a cold open because. Uh, the shooting in Las Vegas right. happened on that Sunday before they even started preparing the show at all. If they had in the works that they were going to do uh, even some tribute before, because then obviously it was a few days later before Tom Petty died that they knew they were going to do exactly that. But they, if they knew like this is not the week where it's appropriate to do a cold open. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if they just have a couple stock things that they go to. I'm guessing that is the case that they were they're like, all right, we need to do a Trump thing. Alec Baldwin wants to be in bed by 1230. So let's just <laughs> knock this out. Um, I think there's something to do with that. And I don't blame them. Like, And I do think doing something like this opens up a little room in the rest of the show to do things that are more fun. Yeah, yeah, Baldwin not in the good nights last night, I don't think. No, Which I, uh, I think is pretty common, actually. That I, I don't really remember him being there in anywhere, in any of them. Yeah. Probably a, um, a lot. But. We, we touched a little bit on the uh, Kumail Nanjiani monologue. Um, I did think this was pretty good as well. I wasn't, like, rolling on the floor laughing, but I definitely liked, I like, when he compared Islamophobia having a resurgence to the return of Will and Grace. Yes. I thought that was pretty funny, you know, like we had a, had a pretty breakthrough run, you know, like 15 years ago or so, and then like it went away for a while, and now it's back, like I, <laughs> and you know, that was, that was pretty good. Have um, you watched any new Will and Grace? I did watch the first uh, episode, Return of Will and Grace, and Will and Grace was not a show that I ever really cared for i thought uh, basically my feelings can be summed up in the way that uh, angela in the office put it where she's like it's terribly loud that's kind of <laughs> how i feel about that's kind of how i feel about the show too is uh i just find it like obnoxious and grating in one of those shows almost on the level of seinfeld where it's kind of just like people shouting catchphrases and like things over and over where it's just it's really trying to beat you in the face with what it's trying to be and thinks it's kind of adorable for doing so mm-hmm so, but it just, the way that I record the Thursday night comedies, it just, uh, it gets tacked onto the middle. Cause I watch all the shows around that I watch Superstore, Good Place and Great News. Um, are you watching Great News? No, I didn't realize the, uh, parallels in all those titles of shows until you just said them out loud. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, like, good, great, super. Um, <laughs> that's market that's marketing themselves that's genius i yeah. also wow yeah um no i am not watching any of them uh a good place is on my like hulu um when i'm sitting around during the day kind of thing so i'm still working through early in the season but i'm hearing it only gets better and better 
Yeah. Well, and I was curious just about Great News, because in a way, Great News does basically just feel like 30 Rock Season 8. Okay. It has a lot of that same humor, and it's got, especially as it got later into it, it's like they only did 10 episodes last year, and as as they got deeper into that, it immediately kind of found the the weirdness gear that 30 Rock honed over over time, so. Nice. I'll check it out. Um, I've always loved Tracy Wigfield. Um, I think the premise of the show kind of lost me at first, but if it is funny, then I can get into it. Yeah, it's it's one of those shows where like they haven't developed a supporting bench, uh, you know, on the level of Thirty Rock has. Um, like even you know, I think at the same point in Thirty Rock's run, we knew a lot more about like the people in the writers' room. But there are certainly characters and parts of the you know, I think a lot of the characters live in the in the fantasy world in the same way that like Jenna and and um and jack did and uh you know like there was a tina fey's been cameoing in a few uh episodes at the start of the season basically to try to get people to watch the show (laughs) and uh and she she her character made a rep her character is a very powerful businesswoman and she made reference to being on the board of westworld so like things like that where you realize you know it's reminded me of like the joke about how uh liz lemon's mom used to work at sterling cooper from mad men (laughs) yes um, I, I, someone, uh, gave me a hot take the other day, um, and they had a somewhat critical view of 30 Rock, and they okay. said that, uh, Kenneth Page is the Jar Jar Binks of television, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny, and I was like, I completely understand, but I wanted to know if you, if you had a take on that. No, I agree with that as well, and, like, Kenneth was a character that I, um, I feel like especially in the later seasons when like particularly when he was like the janitor or the custodian, I felt mm-hmm. like was not in my peak of um, of loving Kenneth because I, I, I distinctly remember there was like that episode and I think it's season six where Kenneth becomes like head of standards and practices. Mm-hmm. And I was so I loved that episode. And I thought what a great use for Kenneth. And they undid it pretty much immediately. Yeah. And I was pretty I was very disappointed with that. Um but I, yeah, I, I going back to the the you know original like first couple of seasons, season one in particular. Like I think I still would really like, um, like I still I'm, I'm gonna laugh at the way Kenneth is used in Tracy does Conan, where he has to go pick up the prescription. I think that mm-hmm. stuff is still gonna be funny. But yeah, I do I do agree with you that he became, uh, I guess Flanderized is the term mm-hmm. uh, in TV, referring to Ned Flanders on The Simpsons, and I think that he is definitely that kind of character, and it's hard not to be when you're the breakout character on a show like that where um it's just you be, you become more and more of that and i do i do think that jar jar binks is a pretty apt metaphor yeah i had never heard that uh and i thought it was pretty funny i uh, yeah. appreciate it uh the first sketch after the monologue is called bank breakers this is a game show where uh kumail nanjiani and cecily strawn are competing in some sort of basically it's a trivia game and if you get questions right you get to steal bags of money from the other person um and uh basically paul is the the name of the kumail nanjiani character and he just wants to win the money to like uh buy a bunch of new clothes and change his whole wardrobe and then we find out that uh the, you know what what's what are you playing for Cecily Strong well her daughter is uh, her 10 year old daughter uh, needs a surgery to restore her hearing and it's just the, the whole thing kind of snowballs from there and we realize that uh, Paul is superficial and kind of terrible mm-hmm. whereas uh, this one basically has this one chance and only one chance to like financially save her family what did you think of this one this was my favorite sketch of the night uh, I thought it felt very improv uh, in the sense that like uh 
maybe just sitting around talking or someone did this in an improv show once and then they decided to write it down i like that there's like one singular game like it, there was that sketch was about one thing and it was really good i liked uh, mm-hmm. mikey day's like kind of self-aware game show host uh we've gone through many many game show hosts in snl yeah. uh, history and i thought that he was good he was uh snarky enough in a way that he was like i understand what my role is here um and then yeah people in the audience i felt like they just really hammered it home and uh it ended well so i like this is my favorite type of sketch not necessarily game show but just like make it just really tight about one joke and make the situation worse and worse and worse and it it'll be fun yeah and i you know i did i i I figured out what the take was going to be maybe like 10 seconds before they got there not Mm -hmm. that like it was a hard thing to guess or 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 also that that like takes away from it but i just i I figured out like oh like she's gonna have a sob story especially because the element was like literally you are taking the money away from the other person um this was my favorite thing of the night too, purely in terms of just what made me laugh. You know, like the the thing that's coming up next uh, probably is like I, you know, the idea of it to me is probably more clever. But like this definitely made me laugh the most. I think the like I and certainly the biggest laugh for me the entire season so far has been when uh, you know Cecily Strong was talking about like oh she didn't really know um, Harry Potter because she was doing you know four tours of four consecutive tours of duty uh, in Iraq when those came out mm-hmm. and Mikey Day says to Kumail like oh what do you do and he says. Uh, I work in online advertising for Marlboro cigarettes. That's perfect. It's like, <laughs> like, uh, just you know, is this a bad guy? No, but like, just sort of a moral gray area there that I really love. I just love yeah. him being so excited about the jackets and jeans. <laughs> yeah, like, this is so like it felt real. Like these are goofy guys that just wanted to be on TV, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, and what he said about Mikey Day is true, and I liked the way he um, played the whole like you know, and like by the way, thank you for your service. Yeah. Like he kind of he kind of knew how to play that angle of like I'm saying this because that's what host would say, and also like it's gonna obviously be that extra dig mm-hmm. at this other guy who kind of sucks. Totally. So uh, was this? Yeah, I thought. Uh, I was gonna go ahead. This our only Pete Davidson moment in the show. I think so, which is, uh, you know, that was too bad. Also, one of the things because we lost about last week is we didn't we um, you won't get to hear. We talked about uh, Pete Davidson's uh, weekend update commentary last week because that was something we legitimately really didn't. We, well, we knew Pete Davidson had been in rehab mm-hmm. for a period. But we didn't really know why. And it was only made public, I think, like two or three weeks ago that he um, is fighting this particular, you know, borderline personality disorder or however exactly it's put. Um and that whole piece was sort of about the fact that he wasn't, uh, the joke was like, well, I might not be depressed if you put me in the show more. I thought that was very um, funny. I thought so too. It was a really good, and that's always been his strong suit. And one of the things I said also was, Pete Davidson reminds me of somebody like Chris Rock, where like, on the show, like that show, like sketch comedy might not be like the thing, because I've, I've loved Pete Davidson doing like stand-up, and I think he's really good at the Comedy Central roast as well. Pete Davidson seems to me like somebody who like, we might not really remember him at the time, like doing this show very much, but like, I do think he will eventually break out in a different format and like, he could come back to the show and host and he would be a really good host. Uh, yeah, probably. And I think he, he could maybe, I don't know if he'll ever have his own show, but like Pete Davidson will sell out 
stand-up shows at every college campus for the next 10 years. Like, he will have a career, even though I don't know if this is actually the right thing for him anymore. Yeah, I think it's it's cool that he has lasted on the show a while, particularly because he fits that niche. You know, we talked about last week, they did another one of those sketches where he's like the teenage boy, Chad, and he just kind of responds to everything like, yeah. okay, and like doesn't care about anything. And they're trying to find like new takes on it, but it just it still doesn't really work. Right, yeah. And it's very low impact for him. Like, couldn't we like uh, slot in... Uh, Luke Knoll or uh, someone yeah. to like uh, kind of take that role, which may be what's happening. I wouldn't be surprised if this is our last Pete Davidson year. No, it wouldn't either. Because, like, you know, we saw it with Sashir last year where a lot of people, you know, by their fourth season on the show, if they're not getting, and, you know, even also people like Abby Elliott, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not getting used in that way, you kind of know it's time to go. Um, The next thing up, this is what I was talking about where I said, you know, kind of a better idea in concept, but like didn't make me laugh as hard as the last sketch. This is what uh, uh, they're calling on the uh, NBC YouTube channel, Kelly Wise, which is uh, kind of a spiritual sequel to the thing they did last season with uh, Kelly and Conway sort of fatal attractioning Mm -hmm. uh, Jake Tapper. And now it's, they're doing this uh, it parody where, um, uh, Kelly and Conway's in the sewer trying to kind of uh, rein in, uh, convince uh, Anderson Cooper, basically let her come on the show and make uh, crazy defenses. So Yeah, kind of fun, right? I didn't see it, but I feel like if you're going to marry those two things, this makes enough sense. Kelly and Conway, I feel like she's one of those people that, I mean, I don't watch CNN or anything like that, so if she's going on shows and defending Trump, like, you know, I'm not super interested. But uh, I feel like she's not one of the major players in the administration anymore. Like, she was big in the campaign, but she's not someone people are actively talking about a lot. But I think it's, it's a way to give Kate McKinnon, like, really fun, interesting stuff to do, which is fine by me. Like... Kellyanne Conway is now one of those people that's like just a bigger comedic character than she'll ever be a politician. Yeah. And and I think it kind of the point of this is that, you know, like I feel like they do these particular after a period where she hasn't really been around because, yeah, I don't really I like honestly, the last time I remember her doing anything where like she actually made a news appearance was after James Comey was fired and that was the night we got the gif of Anderson Cooper rolling his eyes at yes. her, which was great. Um, and so, like, you know, obviously, the, these are two real like, people who have a lot of history together. Um, I, you know, like, first of all, like, production value is great. They always are for these taped pieces. Um, and the things about it that, like, that probably made me laugh were actually when she, she sort of, she went out of her, like, evil clown voice and back into the Kellyanne voice to, to say the, like, crazy quotes. And it reminded me of what made me laugh about, this was a sketch they did pre-election where they did the tape bit, uh, Kellyanne Conway's Day Off, Mm -hmm. how she kept being called back to respond to things. And she was saying like, of course, President Trump doesn't think that gay people are gross for the way they eat pasta (laughs) and things like that. So those were the really the bits that made me laugh where she's talking about how he called uh, Trump a moron because he wanted more toppings on his Sunday. (laughs) 
Um, you know, that's yeah. like, that's a funny, like, it's, it's funny to think about them in the writer's room trying to get their way, get themselves backwards from that into why that would have uh, made sense. Just as I'm sure it's just as interesting when the actual people uh, at the White House are trying to figure that, mm-hmm. figure out those things. But, um, and, you know, like uh, uh, Cecily Strong pops up as Rachel Maddow, which, uh, you know, is an impression that I think has surfaced a couple of times before, but has never been anything major, really. Yeah, and yeah, Rachel Maddow, I feel like, is not someone, again, people do a ton of talking about anymore, but fun to see that pop up. She had, like, one big moment this year, I guess, where she, she had the Trump tax returns, and then it was nothing preceded by an hour of... For context, like, the U.S. tax code was written in 18, like, it was this big, long-winded thing that, that just to get to, like, we know a little bit about right. nothing really important. And that happened in the summer, so, like, they really couldn't talk about it, so. Yeah, that would have been a more fun thing to cover, but if she gets to get on another thing, like, they do seem to be making a lot of space in this episode, particularly for Kate McKinnon. Mikey Day and Cecily Strong like they are in a lot of sketches Mm -hmm. it almost feels like it's some like and I felt like last week uh Keenan was in a lot of sketches like I don't know if they're on some sort of like you don't have to show up every week thing like but it definitely seems like there's like it's weighted heavily towards certain cast members week over week more than it used to be well, and the thing we said in our premiere episode when we, when we were talking about the Ryan Gosling shows, we were like, what a, you know, like, what a year some people can have, like, new on the show. Because it was a year ago that it was the first show for Mikey Day and Alex Moffat. And then we were like, wow, these two, like, run the show. They were mm-hmm. in every sketch in that premiere episode. And last week, I don't think Alex Moffat made an appearance. Yeah, that makes so sense. So there's this total back and forth between and that we, we remember that happening too where pete davidson on his first show got a really good weekend update commentary and then he got benched the next week and some people were saying like oh lauren probably doesn't lauren probably wants to say to those people like uh, uh don't get cocky or anything mm-hmm. i don't know if really that's what's going on but um it is true that it can it can you know oscillate wildly uh what your presence is on the show and and as you said not even just for new people but like yeah some people some weeks Keenan is the superstar and other weeks, you know, cause like game show host is often a role that's given to Keenan Thompson. And there's no reason uh, he couldn't have done that. Cause he wasn't in that sketch otherwise, was he? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. Cause the only other people, um, Alex Moffat was the dad in the audience and Pete Davidson was the, the best friend, but otherwise I don't think, Oh, and then, uh, Beck Bennett came out as the the guy who was physically robbing the money. Right. Was Keenan in any sketches last night? Um, He was actually in the sketch that's up next, which is like a super weird thing that I still am not exactly sure how I feel about. Oh, yeah. The uh, Uh, the office Halloween party. uh, Hepatitis A. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I figured that all that sketch was. Everyone's favorite sketch title, Hepatitis A. Yeah. This was bizarre. This was very weird and not fun. Like, I... Yeah, not in a good way. Yeah, and I think uh, we were talking about it a little bit when we were watching it, and it was... It seems like it was trying to be two sketches, and one was very dark. You are about to say exactly what I'm going to say, so please. Okay, I'll say the first half. Go ahead. The first sketch is, like, 
the boss gave everyone hepatitis, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Like, it's very dark. It's something that you wouldn't normally see on SNL. It seems more of like a whitest kids you know or like something you would see on YouTube. Like, all right, sure. the boss gave everyone a very serious infection. And like, how are we going to deal with that? And then yeah. uh, take it away. Well, yeah, it was, it, it, it's yeah, it's the tale of two sketches. That's the one half, and the other sketch is about the like mundane fact of life that sometimes speakerphone has complications. Right. Um, it's I, yeah, and I could tell that the the audience never got on board with either one fully, and so like I think they really picked up on the like uncomfortableness of the entire situation. And they just kind of, it was like they were there in that moment feeling the awkwardness of the whole thing. Yeah, and I just did a quick Google on hepatitis A because you don't hear a lot about it, I feel like. You hear some hepatitis B, hepatitis <laughs> C, uh, but yeah. hepatitis A, first of all, not nearly as serious as the others. <laughs> so uh, doesn't progress to a chronic state and rarely requires hospitalization. So it's kind of just saying like the boss gave everyone a pretty mild uh, infection that maybe they'll have to like, it says the solution is maintaining adequate nutrition. So uh, (laughs) it's like maybe they'll get a little sick, but not that serious. And then, but I'm seeing here, uh, California declares state of emergency over deadly hepatitis A outbreak two days ago. So it's like, was this, so I am also of two minds about this. That's like, was, it seems like, was this supposed to be timely that they were like, wouldn't it be funny if, and says, this says hepatitis A has killed 18 people in California. So my information is obviously mixed here, but it's not like fun. <laughs> this isn't a fun. Like, oh, yeah. This isn't as like a silly thing, I guess. Like, people are dying in parts of the country from this disease. Yeah. First of all, I love that you you single handedly got us our like educational informational tag for the week by go. providing the listeners some some hepatitis A resources. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, I that is it makes me so happy when we can ask like in a in a bizarre way because it, it like it means that basically everything in the sketch has gone wrong. When we can ask of a sketch, wait, was this supposed to be topical? Right. Because that I think is an indication that um, they obviously missed the mark because they thought they were tapping into something about the week that just was, and like clearly they didn't. Right. This and clearly like wasn't, you know. Or did they not know? Like, I feel like you, if there was a state of emergency over a hepatitis A outbreak, it, either they would have said it in the sketch or they would have n- d- picked something else. Like, this could have been anything. And they happened to pick, like, a weird disease that only recently is, like, very serious. Part of what, I'll, like, also when you do a sketch about... Um technical difficulties even if you know it would never actually be presented in that kind of scripted bantery way if if, you know for example they were legitimately having audio problems in the studio Mm -hmm. or something but i just think that it's hard to separate the fact that like we're having this technical issue from the fact that you know you're on this tv show broadcasting live and the potential for 
error is always present and just yeah the whole thing was just uncomfortable and stilted by design because it was supposed to be but as a result that means that the the reaction to it is also going to be that right it genuinely felt tedious because you were like well this guy's trying to get out information that is somewhat serious and we are all waiting for it and i don't know i think if you're going to do a sketch about conference calls or technical issues like you can make it funnier more than just like oh i'm having trouble hearing you like i want to say there's a funnier die or college humor or something sketch out there that's like uh how horrible it is to like be on a remote conference call with you know 20 people all dialing in and like someone's dog is barking (laughs) and there's all like there is funny stuff that you can mine there that they just the only thing here was that it was a bad connection yeah, it was like they didn't know how to take this to the next level. And then somebody pitched hepatitis A. Yeah, that sounds about right. And, you know, we, we talk about it's nice when sketches do find the next year. But that was one where it's just like, that was a hard left turn there. It would be kind of terrible if this did end up like, what if this news story takes a very sudden turn? And like, are they going to have to edit this out of repeats or something? Like, that would be the weirdest thing. Yeah, if it was really significant. I mean, I didn't hear about this, but I don't live in California, so... But I'm sure people who live there did, if it's a state of emergency, 18 people. Yeah. Like, but um, it would be, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it'll get worse, but it definitely, I do, I agree that wondering whether or not something is topical is a uh, good way to know that something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have uh, the New York Film Festival panel with one of our recurring Kate McKinnon characters. Debette Goldry, who is this uh, veteran actress in her 80s. And, you know, I'd already kind of put this comparison together in my head, but it's definitely hits home with uh, the last few episodes because, like, Debette Goldry is basically the exact same character as Mrs. Rafferty, the woman who was abducted by aliens. And so when you put the two of them in the same, like, block of episodes, it really kind of highlights that this is just a sketch about uh letting kate mckinnon tell crazy stories while like in a very like static motionless sketch yes and it's all about listening in and zeroing in on the words and the weirdness yes and i i it's like i like this character a little better but i do think that the alien abduction sketch is a lot meatier and i think that we can talk about this but this for this to be like the Harvey Weinstein response from women in yeah. Hollywood was very weird. Um, and it, uh, in general, I think Kate McKinnon has been killing it this season, like has been so, you know, putting in way more effort than anyone else, getting way more laughs than anyone else. And this kind of just showed that, that it was like, we're not comfortable talking about this topic, like very clearly. So let's just let Kate handle it and everyone will feel at ease. And she did, but I I still don't know if that makes it a great sketch. Well, and I, yeah, this is making me realize too, that, um, that I have this, like now I'm realizing that I, I like this a little bit less than I thought I did because like, this is Saturday Night Live's first acknowledgement of this news story. Mm-hmm. This was a story that broke in the New York Times last Thursday. There was no references to it on the show last Saturday. And people wanted to know, like, hey, what's up about that? And Lauren Michaels' exact quote was, it's a New York thing, which I guess he decided, for whatever reason, 
that um, people outside of the New York bubble would not have known what this was, as if like the New York Times is only available in New York. Um, but there was also this, so I guess there was some sort, I can't remember where I read this, but there was some source who said like they did have jokes in the show about it and they all basically fell flat. So they were all cut from the show. Um, not sure exactly if that's like an excuse or defense, you know, the whole reason you do a dress rehearsal is so that like in the couple hours between you can polish those jokes, like, well, then like try and punch like rather than just like give up. Right. It felt like a weird thing. And I think that's hard to ignore when also, you know, we know that uh, Ronan Farrow said this last week that his New Yorker piece, he tried to give to NBC and they said no. And it just adds up to this whole like terrible thing of the last couple of years where it's like, oh, you know, NBC uh, didn't want to put out the uh, Access Hollywood tape and Washington Post beat them to that. And, you know, NBC is presumably sitting on uh, hours and hours of Trump saying God knows what kind of horrible things uh, you know, in, in that are, you know, things were obviously not part of the, like any final episode of The Apprentice, but like footage of this is out there and you'd think they have, they would have the money to pay off whatever kind of, you know, damages they would have to pay in lawsuits for this. Um, so it, yeah, that's a whole like can of worms to, to reopen, but you know, it, it does make me realize that like last night, like that, yeah, it's like they want, they're going to address it. And by address it, I mean like they're going to reference the fact that it happened. And it's like, take it away, Kay. Just like, like let's do some, do some, riff a little bit about, um, you know, make some some sexual harassment jokes and, and kind of do this exaggerated take on what it was like to work in Hollywood slash be a woman in general, like in the 50s. Right. And that can be, and that was fun, but I honestly think that, it's like more disappointing the other three women how they behaved in that sketch i think maybe behaved isn't the right word but the how they uh the characters that they were given to play which is like if this is the statement you want to make like then make it be forthright and when like respond to this crazy woman that's saying these things uh uh what was the joke that she made that was like uh that the like he rapes me like which is probably one yeah. of the spicier like you know more bolder things that anyone has said about this controversy and certainly on saturday night live and ad bryant was like okay well next question i'm like Come yeah on. like you this is like it's just toothless and i'm like again like if you're not gonna say something that it like has a bite to it like you're just as bad as people that aren't saying anything or like and it really bums me out to see something like this so it's kind of like thank god for kate mckinnon you're very funny the like the things that she said that were very bold i was really impressed by but the sketch in general i'm just like like the whole country is talking about this it is mm-hmm. reflected in every industry. Like, it's not just some sort... And it, you know what? It's never stopped them before that something is, like, too New York or too Hollywood. So, uh, it they have more than enough to say about it. And, like, they are trying to say less, I think. Yeah. Um, I think they I think they pick hosts all the time who maybe are, are too New York. And, like, for, you know... Like, I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda is somebody who could be considered too New York. Certainly. And that didn't stop them from, you know, putting somebody on the show who's really only significant presence to America as a Broadway credit. Right. Um, 
So, and, and yeah, like it's, it's, that's exactly it is that it's, it's, this was an opportunity to do a hard hitting sketch, taking that on. And instead it's Kate McKinnon, like not knowing how to pronounce Marion Cotillard. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like, if you want to do this character and doing this, like fine, but you don't have to uh, minimize it by putting it next well, to people that don't have anything to say. Yeah, and they've never done this before in a way where it's responding to a real-world event. Like, usually, I feel like with the times they've done this before, the host has played themselves in the sketch. Um, yeah, yeah. And, beca like, because this was a woman on fi in film panel, like, Kumail wasn't in this at all in any capacity, right? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Yeah, so... Um, that In the past, it was just sort of like, well, this person's, like, known for being, like, an esteemed, serious actor or actress like let's do a, like that's an excuse to do like a you know uh, a film panel that debet goldry can be on whereas this was coming right after a real life uh thing and you know obviously that's not to say that like well before it was hilarious when debet goldry made jokes about how terrible it is for women in hollywood like that's just fictional like that's okay because it's you know it's all the same uh terrible atmosphere but i i yeah i don't whoever thought that this would be not worse i don't i don't understand that yeah i i i was kind of disappointed by this and i think that a show that you know has had so many different actors on it so many hosts and like people that have come forward that have hosted this show that have said like uh harvey weinstein raped me like or sexually harassed me that they could make some sort of statement but they don't they don't care and like that's the thing that makes it hard to be an snl fan is like you have to remember that they don't really care like they yeah like mm -hmm. they're just earnestly trying to put on out like the least offensive comedy show that they can and like that if there's a problem somewhere there that they're gonna just do their do their best for sure and increasingly i felt like the the political like real world satire stuff is what i take as you know uh sort of like paying my dues to occasionally get like the weird abstract comedy that sometimes slips through the show mm -hmm. yes so yeah. mm -hmm. and that speaking of no kyle mooney tonight at all I no it was so so disappointing mm -hmm. um so weekend update shows up now and um just pretty forgettable all around there were a couple of i thought that like the michael che riff um that sort of ends where like pointing out the irony of like you know you're insisting on merry christmas but like isn't that just sort of the all holidays matter yeah kind of thing yeah i thought that was pretty good that's funny yeah i thought they had a couple funny moments um, but I thought this was this was a weird weekend update because it it started pretty late in the show. Like I remember, like usually I feel like the first musical guest comes on kind of like twelve oh five ish, mm -hmm. and update is on between by around like twelve fifteen. This I feel started maybe around like twelve twenty, like between twelve twenty twelve twenty five. But it ended at kind of its usual point of like twelve thirty, where it usually ends, and we only got the one commentary from Ivana Trump, played by Cecily Strong who's been making the rounds this week. Um, does she have a book out or something? Uh, that's what it seemed to be, that she wrote Trump that was like uh, parenting Donald or something like that. Um, okay. Ra raising Trump. <laughs> so 
Um, okay. Because I happened to see before uh, when I was getting ready for work one day this week that Ivana Trump was be- was a guest on the Wendy Williams show. Huh. And it made me just kind of think, like, is she there just to, you know, talk about the fact that her ex-husband is now the president? Or, like, yeah, is this like a book tour or something? It seems to be this is the case. I did not see any of the footage of her referring to herself as first lady. No, on but, a quick... Um, um uh search of that it seems like that is a kind of it seems like cheeky book promotion it does not seem in earnest in any way like she was like i am the first wife so i was the first lady but very um not in a way that is serious yeah Mm -hmm. um and that that just went on forever i thought and yeah, I did not. I wasn't super into that. Uh, Ivana Trump is a funny, cool character, but it's someone that like I'm like you guys could have been ahead of this in a way too. You know, she's uh, yeah. Why not make fun of Ivana Trump all the time? Like it's she fits right into that like Cecily uh, lexicon and her like her what's the word a uh, wheelhouse of characters. Just give her yeah. crazy stuff to do all the time. Like what's the difference? It's more fun than Melania for sure. Yeah, and and with Melania as well, I saw somebody uh, trying to criticize Cecily, basically, not necessarily her, but like the show basically for doing like two Trump wives with these sort of just like, you know, really not even trying to do like good accents. They're just kind of like nondescript, funny European accents. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, does that bother you at all? Fair enough. Yeah, I think that uh, it's hard to know. I don't spend a lot of time like, you know, studying Melania Trump and like knowing where the where she's going wrong. Um, but yeah, I think that like if if Cecily's lucky and the rest of the world isn't, like she's going to be playing Melania Trump for like four more years uh, or more. And so it's like it's way more fun when they nail these than when they do them with a broad stroke. So if I, I it doesn't Ivana, if that's a one off sort of thing. I'm like, okay, like, she, it, she was basically doing, like, a Zsa Zsa Gabor kind of character, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. And that's much more of a character to me. If you're playing the First Lady, you know, a very prominent, like, character in the political nature of this show, like, I think it would be much more fun if she did it as an accurate impression. Melania is, like, a complicated person anyway, right? Because no one really knows if she's, like, uh, part of the machine or if she's, like, a victim. <laughs> so, uh... It's hard to play her for laughs, I think. Yeah. Um, the next sketchup is called Hotel Check-In, where I get basically the U.S. military has saved um, uh, an American who, I guess, makes documentaries for um, from North Korea. And they put him up in this uh, Marriott Hotel, basically, at, at their expense. And Kumail Nanjiani plays the clerk at the front desk who just won't stop going on about the amenities and their stargazer lounge because, like, his room isn't ready yet and that they were featured in Latitudes, which is the in-flight magazine for Southwest. Uh, Another sketch that really didn't do anything for me. Also tedious. Do you remember how SNL was like, we're going to have fewer commercials and we're going to have more sponsored content and, like, integrated promotions? Do you think this was one of them? Uh, well, uh, what I, what I didn't know until last week is that that never ended up actually happening. Oh, okay. Um, Good yeah, I, I read in somebody's SNL recap, somebody who actually has like a relationship with the show that, um, they kind of just low key never did that, okay. which is, you know, it would have been nice to know. Cause I do think that 
not just us, but other SNL recappers spent a lot of time last season talking about like weird sketches where that stretch Hummer comes through the Burger King uh, drive through. <laughs> and we spent all this time thinking like, was that Burger King sponsored content? Um, but that is funny that that is what uh, it seemed to you because yeah, if I had been thinking that, I, I wonder if I would have thought that as well. Um, I think that like this, this seemed like a sketch that I think might've been a little bit more amusing if I was in like in the studio audience where I could like see down at the, uh, like at the stage. Cause I think I would have been looking at the prop that was on stage the entire time for the like stargazer lounge as featured in latitudes magazine. Mm -hmm. And then when those things like were actually said out loud, I've been like, Oh, okay. Like, but otherwise like on TV that this isn't going to do anything for me. And this sometimes what I think happens is, um, when, when SNL does sketches about, uh, you know, customer service, specifically in travel, because these are people who are like going to LA to take meetings and stuff, is that when, when there's, you see a sketch about a bad plane ride or a bad airport experience, I just think like, ooh, one of the writers just had a really bad flight during the like hiatus week. And I wonder if this is kind of in the same vein where somebody just like somebody flew Southwest and they thought it was really funny. It's like Latitudes Magazine. Yeah. And that rattled around in their head for a little while and now they are using it. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things like, isn't it so annoying when they don't let you check into a hotel room? And it's like, that's a little bit first world problem. So how can we make it? uh, How can we raise the stakes here? So, but yeah, this felt to me similar to the uh, conference call set sketch that was like, oh, here's a minor inconvenience of life that everyone hates. And let's just double down on it. And at least this had a little more humor to it. But still, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Like, it definitely felt tedious to me. Yeah, it's it's so true. And, you know, the I, I can't necessarily remember, like, previous SNL sketches about, uh, like, conference call not working, but we've definitely seen a ton about boring, stuffy office parties, and we have definitely seen dull, like, replayed ideas about, oh, checking into the hotel, and they're listing through all the amenities, and mm-hmm. isn't that a big bore? And the answer is yes, and yes. as a result, so is the sketch. Yes. So, um, here comes another like a, a weird one for the night. It's this is kind of this is the last live sketch of the night. So this this is sort of our our ten to one weirdness here. Here where um, Mikey Day and Heidi Gardner play uh, siblings, and they're visiting their grandmother in the like nursing home, and. Uh, strangely a popular night for uh sexually transmitted diseases on saturday night live because uh kate mckinnon's grandmother character is 91 and she has gonorrhea because she is basically doing it with everybody in the in the retirement home yeah i thought this was okay uh kate mckinnon i thought again the funniest part and she didn't even say one word (laughs) in the entire sketch yeah it was just her making different faces every time the camera cut back to her yeah, another Mikey Day was the uh, oh no, Kamal Nanjiani was who? So Kamal Nanjiani, Kamal Nanjiani is the doctor. Yeah, and then uh, Heidi, who I like, she seems to be getting some decent like first couple week screen time. Uh, yeah, and Mikey Day or Alex Moffat was the other guy. Yes, Heidi Gardner, who like um, you know, it's not like a competition necessarily, and you know everybody wants all the new people to do well but like not only like would Heidi Gardner have been far away the the winner quote-unquote among the new kids last night but like if you take away Luke Null 
just wearing a Make America Great Again hat and introducing the Trump impression, I don't think he or Chris Redd appeared in the show last night. So not only did she have the most screen time, she had the only screen time, I think, of the new people. It's honestly hard to tell if someone is just some background actor or Luke Nall. Uh, and that's what I do. If he was in the show, he was the guy in the Make America Great Again hat that opened the show. Uh, and was like, uh-huh. welcome. And, but I was like, maybe that was him or maybe it wasn't. And there's really no way for me to know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's a kind of a bummer. One thing that I should point out, we, uh, the feature players has gained uh, a new friend and that is uh, Justin Gardner who is the older brother of Heidi Gardner, uh, is on Twitter. I think he's at JP Gardner, and he was tweeting along with us last night and, you know, uh, replying to some of our, our live tweets from the account. And he is, uh, he, you know, yeah, he tweets about the show, you know, certainly when it's on and at various points during the week. And he's, uh, you know, he says in his bio, like, proud older brother of Heidi Gardner. So I'm sure this is very, very cool for him. And also, it's nice to have a cordial and friendly relationship with someone who knows one of the new people after we had our long-standing uh, blood rivalry with uh, that guy Nick Nick George who was like one of the guys in John Rodnitsky's entourage <laughs> and you know we we made a lot of fun of, of John Rodnitsky on the show and and you know I think uh, we 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 haven't apologized for that and we really won't because I think we stand by the, the <laughs> some of the some of the criticisms we had for him but uh, um, you know J- Justin Gardner nice to nice to have you on board you are our featured players listener of the week <laughs> Congrats, Justin. <laughs> That's a new segment I'm going to start on the show. And also, it's fun to play around with. We're recording on Zencaster this week, and Zencaster has all these fun sound effects. So Perfect. Um, I think... <laughs> do that for... Uh, yeah, for the... War... Uh, I don't know. You want to do worst cast yeah, member? I'll say... Yeah, I'll say, you know, and uh, today's uh, today's black mark for the week. Once for the, for the third week in a row, Luke Null. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. No, um, I, I just the show, the movie that you should come on to talk about Reese on Reese's Pieces is Home Again. Yes, yes. There you go. Um, but also, the problem I is, something... I would have to. I was gonna say, I would have to go to the trouble of finding a way to watch that because I think it's still in the theater. It might be, but we could also record it in a while. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, that's true. This yeah, is true. <laughs> the part of Reese's Pieces is also like we try not to pay uh, for the movies. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's a good rule. Yeah. Uh, but I know someone that went to college with him and uh, also it doesn't have a ton of great things to say about that guy, but yeah, not super important. This is uh, Rudnitsky? Rudnitsky, yeah. So he's okay. uh, he doesn't need uh need, doesn't need your apologies. Yeah. Wow, that's you know, between this and uh and Jessica from Big Brother, you you have all these yeah, interesting I, connections. I very casual relationships to no longer famous people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you've been very adjacent to some people who are also now very adjacent to America. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um. So yeah, the we don't think we really have anything else to say about the nursing home sketch. We can just move on to the last bit of the night was uh, the tape piece where uh, Kumail Nanjiani uh, works in a call center and he sort of uh, stumbles into this bizarre uh, relationship with one of the customers who turns out to be Melania Trump. 
And you, you know, and talked earlier about like, you know, the, the Kelly Wise thing being kind of a spiritual sequel to the uh, Fatal Attraction Jake Tapper thing. And this was very much falling in the, it wasn't branded as such, but it was like the Melania moments that they did a few of last fall. Um, yeah. And I think this is falls into kind of the same thing that like no one really knows how to talk about Melania. So we didn't get any real good insight into Melania except that she's kind of lonely, I guess, is the biggest takeaway there, which is not really yeah. a hot take. No, this has kind of always been the, the running joke with her is that, you know, she is kind of like, wasn't it mentioned in the show last night that, you know, the idea of, of or in this sketch, you know, be careful what you wish for. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, she, yeah, basically is now disconnected. And, and every joke about her on Seth Meyers is about how, like, she's trying to run away, basically, but gets found again. Yes. Um, yeah, this was, I don't know, this had its, like, again, it has visual flair. And I think that's interesting that they, they take the time to really put production values into these, uh, things that they do during the week but i no i didn't think that they found any new humorous angle on on melania trump as a character no i don't think so either and i think that yeah this wasn't really a laugh out loud kind of sketch but uh at least like kumail got something interesting or slightly more interesting to do i thought he was gonna fall in love with her but i guess that wasn't uh, I, yeah, maybe they thought that was a little too, even even for this that it was a little a little too cliched. Yeah. Um. So that is uh, last night's episode, and then they're not going to do an episode next week. And then on October twenty eighth, I think the way this is working, if I understand it right, is they're not doing a live episode. But if you turn on NBC at eleven thirty on. NBC on Saturday night, they're going to air a half hour animated David S. Pumpkins special. Okay. Thank you for, I was going to ask, I was like, did they really not do David S. Pumpkins? Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense. And I guess that's the way to, to do it. Yeah. And Tom Hanks tweeted something in like, it was a couple weeks before the season even premiered. And there was a, there was a script that he would like taken a, a photo of of um of this sketch of this like uh you know like final draft page that said like you know the david s pumpkin song and i remember thinking like why now and not halloween and also like why do you already have a script for this and now and then i went back and looked at it yesterday and the like what it says it's like you know like davis pumpkin like floats up in the air and it was i'm clearly like oh yeah this doesn't really make any sense if it was a live action thing so yeah all right it's animated uh, yes, it's an animated special. I think if you Google it, there's actually like there's a they've released like one uh, still image of it. I think. Okay. Cool. So uh, yeah, it's, they didn't no. really talk about that last night. So. No, they. I. I wonder. They probably should have like promoted it because I don't think people really uh, remember that they're doing this. Like it's this was something that uh, I think yeah, like a few weeks ago was just sort of casually publicized and you know as it like basically just through a uh press release but um yeah i don't know or, or maybe i don't know if this halloween there will be as much david pumpkins mania as there was last season where the suit sold out on every online store and yeah you would think that they would have doubled down on it but oh well yeah 
Yep. Um, so we, uh, we won't be doing an episode about that, partly because like it's just this short special and it's not really worth it, but also I'm away that weekend anyway. So I'm sure we'll talk about it when we come back on the uh, November 4th episode. Uh, Larry David's coming back to host. What do you think about that, Taylor? Pretty fun. Uh, this isn't really relevant, but I've been getting through Seinfeld and that's a pretty good show. I don't know if people have seen that, uh, but uh, What's it that's called? been a good way of i've been killing time lately um so yeah i think that uh you know it makes a lot of sense uh curb is back he was very prominent on the show last year so i think we'll get some we'll get some bernie sanders which at this point should just be fun and kind of apolitical and a hopefully change yeah. if they double down on that versus trump stuff yeah um, yeah, I, that, and, yeah. Larry David was always somebody I assumed would come back eventually, so uh, it's uh, nice to nice to see it happen. And uh, Miley Cyrus, not surprising that she's coming back as as, as musical guest, just because she has always struck me as somebody who just kind of like the show likes her. She obviously gets along with the people there well, so it kind of seems as if like the invitation basically is open to her when her schedule works. So yes, and I believe she is back on NBC. Uh doing the voice right now oh that's right she's on the voice now and she just did a she just did a week she was she just did like a week residency on on fallon oh wow yeah they just did my they just in residence (laughs) they just did miley week on the tonight show and she was on every single night of the week as the musical guest and i think they yeah like i I like the idea that that can be like i didn't they do um i think harry styles did a week on james corden cool yeah, so that yeah that yeah exactly that 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 happens sometimes. Do you have um, predictions for the rest of the fall? Not really. I said um, on Twitter last night if I just had if just you know like no guts no glory I had a prediction for uh, for the next episode. I I guessed uh, Chris Hemsworth because mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth is also somebody where like as long as his schedule permits he will be happy to come back to do the show and the people there are happy to um, to have him on. Uh, that is the weekend that Thor is opening. So like he has an actual thing to come on and promote. And, um, but, uh, and like, I do think, you know, Bram said to, he replied to that and said like, he'll host before Christmas. And I do think that's true. Um, so yeah. uh, Otherwise, I don't know. I'm I always try to think of people who are, um, it would not, I, okay. Here's a prediction. Like one of the four from Will and Grace. That's a good prediction. Um, I couldn't necessarily tell you who. No, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Especially because I don't really remember who hosted during the original run of Will and Grace. Like, I would have to guess that both Megan Mullally and Sean Hayes hosted the show, but I couldn't tell you. Sean Hayes definitely did. These were, like, the episodes that were always on in repeats when I was a kid, like, cut down to an hour. And I believe You know what? They might have all done it. Like, I want to say maybe everyone except Deborah Messing. She is the one where I'm like, I don't know. Whereas I could definitely see the two supporting people and even Eric McCormick. I think but Eric McCormick hosted too. Um, it's kind of like how all the friends hosted except Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, very suspicious. He could come back at some point. Yeah, Eric McCormack did. Uh, and you know what? People say Will and Grace doesn't hold up, but I think of this monologue, Eric McCormack is not gay uh, from 2002, <laughs> probably does. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, my, uh, I wonder, we could get a Kristen Bell. 
I think that would be a fun one. That would be, I would love if she hosted yeah. the show. Um, there is Bad Moms Christmas is being advertised. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, that yes. And then uh, my other thought was Taylor Swift. Uh, she's kept a relatively low profile, but I feel like if she did show up to host, uh, she would have a lot of control over what she'd be doing. So, Yeah, we haven't seen her for a while, I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah. I feel like we last saw her, this could be wrong, but I feel like the last time we saw her was like not long after the VMAs thing. She um, was the she host and musical guest. Around that time. She might have been musical guest once since then. More recently, probably sounds yeah. right, yeah. But I am not, uh, I think she was very, um, she was much more lauded for her. Uh, for sure, yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. But um, so that's pretty much it for this week's show. If you want to find us on like, you know, social media things, uh, we're on Twitter at Featured SNL. Um, at Featured SNL, I'm going to say that again because I, I can't tell if it sounded like I put a the in front of it. Just at Featured SNL on Twitter or on Facebook uh, as the Featured Players. And we will live tweet during the show and occasionally we'll share things, you know, during the week. Um, like we, we uh, one of the things we talked about, I think, during the premiere show was the... Uh, the, there was a story in, I think, the New York Times about Daryl Hammond yeah. uh, and sort of what his year has been like. Like, and, and Yeah, so you read that? I did read that. Yeah, that was just a really, really interesting story and like a really good piece of reporting. So, you know, we tried to share out uh, tidbits like that during the week. Um, I am on Twitter at Brendan D. Noel. Taylor, where can the people find you on social uh, media? Find me at Twitter at Taylor Father. Yes, and remember, subscribe to the Reese's Pieces podcast. And... Uh, any any uh, upcoming uh, upcoming things you can tease for that? Do you do you even know what the next movie is, or is that totally know. up in the air? Yep, Un- uncertain. But if people have thoughts or they want to hear something, uh, send send me a message, and I'll try to make it happen. Yeah, if you want to be the guest on the Sweet Home Alabama episode, let her know. It's important to know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Once I set my Patreon, <laughs> yeah, and for what they want. Yes, remember remember to Venmo that money. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, this has been the featured players, and uh, until that uh, Larry David episode, uh, enjoy the rest of your October and have a very uh, David S. Pumpkin spooky Halloween. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.